I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am a battered pile of gristle in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it's your girl, hopefully in better physical conditioning than your boy, Caitlin McKinnon. Hi. I don't know if you can hear them, but there are police cars on the way probably to arrest me for being so out of shape because how out of shape I am should be a ticketable offense. I am a drain. I am a drain on the medical system. Okay, okay? calm down, Joe Rogan. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Also, if I shoot one elk, I could eat it for like eight months. Lord. Friends, this is episode 306 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you'd like to listen to all 305 episodes just full of self-love... You can find them wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate, review, follow, subscribe, and henceforth, when you're out there fleeing the police, you won't have to worry about keeping track of your podcasts, because they're going to be brought to you, delivered from the back of a rainbow-made alicorn named Philip by someone who never has a shortage of self-love, and that's your man's... Chauncey Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Oh my god, girl, he just wants to bring those episodes directly to your device. It is what he loves to do. And delivering all those episodes keeps him in peak physical conditioning. Yeah. That and the that and the elven physiology. Blood, the elven blood that courses through his veins, making him um, immortal <laughs> and beautiful. Mortal and beautiful. Can't have one without the other. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Friends, if you have any tips on how to outrun the police... I mean, those are just good in any circumstance, not just specifically if they're trying to ticket you, but just in general. It's probably good information to have. Hit us up on Twitter.com slash GeekDownPod. Get up, get up off Twitter. Let us know your all your best tips. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm asking for trouble. That's the only place where the show lives on the social means. If you would like to uh, chip in $3 in the old tip jar so we have bail money at the ready, ko-fi.com slash GeekDownPod support this endeavor financially every dollar is appreciated friends we gave you a beefy episode last week a rambling free form just meandering sort of episode we don't have that kind of luxury today no we both have social lives which is amazing (laughs) saying something i don't know how it happened but so uh as much as we like to joke about being out of shape this is a this is a lean and tight episode we are giving you today there are notes there will be timers Unfortunately, we, of course, decided to do this on the week where there are just two of the beefiest news stories we could possibly discuss from our uh, respective areas of nerdery. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still have time to catch up. Kate, how are you? Good to talk to you. Um, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, it's I. it finally snowed, which is nice because it means Hamilton went from taupe to gray <laughs> um, and white, which was nice. Um, slushy gray. Uh, no, like the ground is like the snow stays on the ground and it's, it's nice. Um, but the sky is more like fluffy white and gray clouds as opposed to taupe. Um, so yeah, that's, that always cheers me up when it snows. I don't mind the winter so much when it snows, but because we're in this heat bubble, 
um, known as the golden horseshoe. Um, in Ontario, we don't get as much snow. Um, our, our winters are really gray or taupe. And, uh, yeah, that makes me, makes me sad. On the other hand, I'm really glad I don't have to like shovel my driveway every day for like three months. So, you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. And how about you, Jordan? Welcomes the snow. Caitlin McKinnon, history's greatest monster. Uh, how am I? We have some sunshine here in Toronto today for the first time in like four days, which is nice. Um, I will try to prevent every episode of the show from being an update on uh, Jordan's fitness journey. (laughs) Nobody wants that. This is not what you come here for. But it should be said. Uh, so they, they got, they got me on the trainer sessions. They got me, Kate. I, 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 and I warned you and we talked no, about you it. Did. I you knew, did. I and knew. I knew. Like, and like, you were, you were like, I'm not going to fall for it. I know how this shit works. So I'm getting the orientation. We walk around, we look at the, look at the club. It's all very nice. Blah, 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 blah. And then, then they sit me down and they start talking about the training options. And then the dude just looks at me and goes, which one were you thinking of? My brother in Christ. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> But at the same time, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's probably I haven't been in a good. gym in like 10 years. So fine. Give me the four. <laughs> so I get the four sessions just so somebody can uh, clue me in on what I should be looking at, what I should be working on. The answer is mobility issues. <laughs> we got to open up them hips, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a dancer? Worried about my lower back. Got to get them. Got to get them shoulders down. I hunch too much. They were like, I don't know if, if maybe you're hunching a lot over your desk. I'm like, oh, my gee, I do a very physically active job. I fill my rings on my Apple Watch before 1 p.m. every day. But thank you for thinking I'm hunched over a desk all day. It speaks volumes about my posture. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, so Jose, who turned out to be a giant weeaboo, loved it. That was my, uh, that's, that's the guy I'm supposed to be working with. Yeah. But I get a call before I leave yesterday. Jose has a family emergency. Jose will not be able to make the session. So they're just going to set me up with Jessica. I don't know who Jessica is. We don't know Jessica. We don't know her. She's she's a stranger. <laughs> so I take spend take the whole way down to get to the to get to the gym and I say, okay, Jessica, Jessica will be fine. Jessica will be fine. You know, it's cool, whatever. Um, and then I get there and I change, get my water bottle together, and it turns out Jessica will not be leading my session that day. Brian will be the manager of the entire club. Caitlin, yep, I am destroyed today. I'll have you know. <laughs> At the end, Brian um, was like, "Have some protein when you get home. Animal, v- vegetable, plant. Don't really care. It's just to help with the soreness tomorrow, and you will have soreness tomorrow." I'm like, "Thank you." And di- and drink lots of water. Did they tell you that? They did. Yes. And av- I mean, like after after the. Um, after the Jose sesh, I still did like, you know, uh, 45 minutes of cardio or something. Cause it's like, again, this is my danger. Cause it's like, I came all the way down here. Yeah. <laughs> I do something. I just did like a few, few, uh, lat pulls with Jose. I was like, I gotta do something. Uh, I came out of Brian's session with like, I'm fucking going home. <laughs> <laughs> I am wrecked. So the gym's going great. Um, that's what I got. Uh huh. You get, you pay to have someone hurt you. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we learned I cannot squat without going on the balls of my feet, which is also my just calves and my calves and my hammies are just <laughs> tight like tight like bow wire back there. 
I can't do it either. And people are like, well, you have to know you have to do it to squat. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not doing any squats, am I? God. So. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. No squats for Kate. No squats for me. You are not missing out. Friends, I promise you, like I said, (laughs) there will not be a Jordan's Weekly Gym update. I just thought, of course, of course your man gets the rug pulled out, not once, but twice, and has fucking Brian, the, uh, you know, ultra marathon running snowboarder, (laughs) out there doing chest pulls. Who has never seen an anime in his life. He does. He never saw Iron-Blooded Orphans. (laughs) But Jose did. Um... So, friends, as said, we have two beefy news stories to talk about, first of which pertains to my sphere of influence, and this has to do with the uh, recent updates to the corporate infrastructure of the WWE, the premier uh, wrestling company on planet Earth. We will recall last summer, I believe, um, for everyone, pretty much, the only creative director, chairman, boss of the WWE was Vince McMahon. And then in the wake of some uh, reporting from the wall street journal, Vince McMahon was sort of unceremoniously, uh, booted regarding an investigation, uh, or pending an investigation regarding some questionable, uh, expenditures Mm -hmm. related to the, uh, hushing of, Sexual harassment cases uh, was always his was always his money uh, was never company money, but he did not disclose it. Uh, that's what we know there. So Vince kind of le- leaves, and uh, a couple weeks ago we started hearing rumblings that <sighs> surprised to know. Here's everything you need to know about Vince McMahon. If you're completely unfamiliar with the man, um, you should know that over the years Donald Trump has often appeared at WWE events because he's super tight with Vince McMahon. To the point where, like, Vince's wife served on Trump's cabinet. Peas in a pod. So. Damn, son. All you kind of need to know about Vince is, I mean, you know, you judge somebody by the company they keep. So there you go. That's the kind of guy Vince is. If you thought for one second Vince was just going to quietly uh, mount his horse and ride into the sunset, friendo. <laughs> No. So here is where we find ourselves now, where he has he has essentially reaffirmed himself. There were some rumblings that, like, oh, Vince thinks he got some bad advice and he shouldn't have stepped down, blah, blah, blah. And also should be pointed out, it has been a boom time creatively for the WWE since his departure. Yes. I'm not going to, like, I, w- I will be 70 one day and I will like to think I still have, you know, skills and things I can do. Um... But when I just do things badly for years, I would think I would know to step away. Um, Vince was not super great at booking the product in recent years. A lot of the decisions were questionable. His weird things about, like, don't call them professional wrestlers. They're sports entertainers. Don't ever talk about anything that happens outside the WWE, like... Like, bizarre, weird little peccadillos he had. Those were all gone. His son-in-law, Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, took over on the creative side of things. And, like, the commentators would mention that two wrestlers had previously met in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom whatever. And fans everywhere went, <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, it was holy fuck. 
You could call it a championship again. <laughs> you could call you could call it a belt. Right. You could call it a title. You know, <laughs> another thing. Vince never wanted it called a belt. Even though it, not, it was a belt, just FYI. I want that belt. No, I want that championship. You could only call it that. Um, again, weird things that all kind of went out the window. The booking got better. Everything with the bloodline and Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn and all that shit that's been amazing for the past like six months, all under Hunter's watch. So, but the specter of the fact that Vince owned eighty percent of the voting stock, yeah, puts a downer. Was always on hanging over there. Yeah, yeah, he could come, but he could come back whenever he wanted to. The story here is less that. He was coming back. He basically reasserted him, reinserted himself as the chairman. Um, I mean, no vote. Well, he's got the most stock. His vote means the most, right? He votes for himself. He's back in. Mm-hmm. Um, his daughter Stephanie resigns a couple days later, completely. Now she had already tried to step away once and came back around the time this shit with Vince was kind of popping off. Um. And now she's just, she's not stepping down, but doing something else with the company. She's gone. Interesting. Resigned. Out the building. Her husband, Triple H, still doing creative. And everything is saying, all we know is that, all we've heard so far is that the creative will stay the same. To try and, you know, alleviate concerns of some of the talent. Because, you know, not for nothing, Kate, your boy Ricochet was getting a bit of a push in the last two months. Things like that, you know, guys who should be getting Triple H is Triple H is a wrestler. You know, Vince has a very keen mind. He was never a wrestler. He doesn't know what's going to work in the ring. He wrestled some matches, but he was not born and bred in that regard. Triple H was so. I mean, he's got a better mind for the wrestling business, and he had people that he was bringing up on the farm league, and a lot of those people have come back or been pushed to two positions of prominence, and that was really welcomed by a lot of the fans. Anyway, all this is to say, why is Vince back? To sell the company. That is basically why he announced he was coming back. Because he wants to be at the table when discussing a potential um, sale of the company. Mm-hmm. Who is going to buy the company? Now, this is a very fast-moving story. I'm giving you information, uh, the most recent information I have. But when this first was popping off and we were all losing our minds this week, it seemed very, not very likely, but it had been reported by respectable sources that the Saudi investment fund, aka just Saudi Arabia, was going to buy the WWE. Mm-hmm. And given that Vince had no problem doing business with the Saudis up to this point for these, you know, two or three events they do over there every year for just massive paydays, it did not seem completely out of the question, which basically put every wrestling fan in North America in a bit of a moral quandary. Um, Cause like I talk about wrestling all the time with the most consistent man at work. And I wasn't even going to like, this wasn't even the question I was going to ask, but I was just like, we were talking about work and I was like, Oh, what was I going to ask you? And he's just like, if you could never watch wrestling again. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, discuss now this, this seems to have now been debunked. Um, was, and again, this is where the, like everybody, everybody's making succession, uh, jokes, right? right. But this is where like, was this floated out there? The WWE, both of their shows are on NBC Universal Networks. Raw's on USA. SmackDown is on Fox. Regular ass, basic terrestrial television Fox. Yeah, and they have their their um their 
they're not called pay-per-views anymore. They're called premium live events. <sighs> Those happen on on Peacock. So the relationship is already there. So they kind of make kind of makes the most sense that maybe Viacom, whoever the corporate business daddy there is, I don't know the structure of everything there, but <laughs> that they would buy it. And was this was this Saudi thing leaked to expedite that? You know that they were never going to sell to the Saudis, but they just kind of throw that out there. One to maybe gauge the temperature, right? And B to move along if they were uh if the folks at NBC Universal were like pulling the classic Jordan Hemhall on whether or not they wanted to invest. It's a, it's probably going to cost them a lot of money. Uh, it costs them more than it'll cost me for a bet, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh 8 billion do- 8 billion dollars I believe is the wow is the going figure. Listen, everything's in the open. I've seen reports that uh Salman and Tony Khan of AEW are mm-hmm. not averse to having that conversation. And maybe, you know, figuring out some kind of merger or like it's all on the table right now. And it's nuts. It is wild out there. And this is not even taking into account that maybe there were reports that Stephanie and Triple H didn't want to sail. And now I saw reports as of like two hours ago that said they would want to sail because if they get the sale, the company goes private again. Vince Vince gets a pay. Vince gets a payday, but he has no voting. Yeah. He's got no He's got no voice. And anymore. and and point being, no one actually knows. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. This is the same thing when you get a like a preview of a trailer and people have like <laughs> 18,000 articles within like 10, 15 minutes about like what does this mean? You kind of have to sit back and watch like it's I don't think anyone's going to be able to predict this accurately. Probably not accurately, but I do think I do think the company is getting sold. Oh, so at the, I, I wouldn't. By, by 2024, that company is getting sold. Um, I hope it is not to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, then you will really have a moral quandary on your hands. It's and it's not. It's it's the it's the moral quandary of just supporting that. Um, it's the idea of like the WWE doesn't just have like their entire library of like 40 years of shows and footage or whatever. They bought up the tape libraries of a bunch of other regional places. Yeah. So that's why they could do these documentaries about like one wrestler and show like their entire career because they bought the library of every other company they ever worked for. Like not for nothing. If Saudi Arabia buys the WWE, are you ever going to see women's wrestling on <laughs> on the WWE network on demand again? I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't I don't know that the I don't know that uh you know the Crown Prince uh can really justify having peak attitude era 90s brawn panty pudding matches <laughs> available for viewing at your leisure. I'm not saying this is something anyone should spend their time watching, but it's a thing that happened. It is a thing that happened and there's... frequently in the company's history. Um there's also I mean, but there's also the idea of like don't worry now when so little information is out there, you know, worry when it actually happens. What, what did I, what did I hear recently? I saw, I saw like a Instagram post or something. Um, and it was someone, it was, the phrase was, it was a like photo of a tweet and it was, you know, in another in- instance of Claire's therapist gets to be everyone's therapist. This woman just looked me dead in the eye and told me with zero fucks, quote, you do not have enough information to panic about this. now. <laughs> Yeah. And that's really that's really where we're at right now. But it's just the fact that it's every day there has been something new and this is this is peak corporate intrigue 
what's going to happen with Vince? He's still got like a bunch of litigation pending him regarding his uh, activities in the 80s. And how how does how does this go? It's going to be very interesting. I mean, not for not, Sami Zayn, who is like one of the most important players with the company right now, boycotts the Saudi shows every time they go. He refuses to work them because of his 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 political leanings. Good for you, Sami Zayn. Wait, good, so good I mean, political they, leanings or bad political leanings? No, good okay, good, good okay. ones. Because you, you can't be sure. Um. So yeah, I mean, like like Kate says, as Kate talks me down from the ledge. Yes, we really don't know anything. We have a pile of articles. That uh, really tell us nothing, but it's it is like I heard it called low hanging fruit. But the succession comparisons are <laughs> they're just too easy. Like Shiv's out, <laughs> Shiv left, Tom's in. He's still he's still there. Is anybody going to want to negotiate if Logan Roy isn't at the table? I don't watch the show. We know I hate the show, but I just I have a cultural awareness yeah, of I- the characters because I'm a savvy observer of of you know. The disco. And I am not. I have no idea what you're talking about. Kate's just blinking politely, which she often does. <laughs> I'm just a bunch of rich white people being angry at each other and mean and, you know. Um, but Not how I want to spend my Sunday nights. Caitlin. No. Yes. Hi. Tell me about the OLG. Well, first of all, I want to say that there is a through line through these stories, which is about people panicking without getting all the information. Is is this the same thing? You're not panicking yet on this one? Well, no. First of all, okay, so uh, here's some here's some background. Dungeons and Dragons is created by a company called Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast was brought bought by which one was it? Mattel, one of Hasbro. them, Hasbro, Hasbro. This was happened a while ago. And they did, I did, which I did not know until this story started coming oh. out. I did not know Hasbro had bought yeah. Wizards. They bought it ages ago, um, and they did a lot of work on like there were a lot of um, crossovers with um, Magic: The Gathering, which is a very well known, very nerdy card game. Um, <laughs> and so they did a lot of crossover with that, which they, they also own. Um, and they just were trying. They, you know, I think one of the reasons. Dungeons and Dragons actually got a good movie. Don't come for me. You know it's true. Um, was because Hasbro had it and, you know, with all the licensing and everything. Yeah. There's just like, they did a lot of work to to make a lot of money off of Dungeons and Dragons. Now. They, they, they did not think the, there was enough profit maximizing happening which, with the IP here. Fair enough. Like, I mean, there's a lot you can do and there's a lot they did. Um, and they put a lot of investing into getting people talking about D&D, but a big part of D&D from, I'm going to say like the outset really, is we're just going to call it homebrewing, which is this idea that, I mean, one of the things with D&D, it's, it's not a board game. There are not, I mean, where sometimes maybe in Monopoly, you guys have like house rules, but Basically, by and large, you follow the same rules of Monopoly. Homebrew is that on, like, speed. Like, it's, you know, you as the dungeon master, you create a world. You can create your own rules about the world. Um, You are basically the judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to your characters, right? Like... So to put this into layman's terms, because I'm the layman here. Yes. When you play, if you were to play a Dungeons & Dragons style 
campaign. Yes. This is not like where if I play Final Fantasy, everyone has played that Final Fantasy game. If I play Final Fantasy VII, we have all played Final Fantasy VII. Maybe some of us like Yuffie more than we like Vincent, but it's essentially all the same game. When you do Dungeons & Dragons, you don't have to do any of the locations or the locales or anything in any of the manuals, correct? Correct. You can just kind of take the mechanics that they have laid down with the dice rolling and the the... Like how, traits and, how much, and the attributes. Yes, and how much damage you do and like what your character can do. And you can do what the book set out for you. They do right. full storylines where they give you background characters and they give you the monsters you're going to fight and all the stats. And th- you can do that. And that can be a great fun time. But, but from, you don't have to do any of it. To, if you no. decide you want to do fucking uh, cyberpunk uh, the androids from Blade Runner or some shit. You can do that and yeah, it will yes. play the same way as Dungeons and Dragons would. Yes. You might have to do some tuning with it, but but basically, like, you can just right. set things up in your own world. Now, this evolved over years to be basically things that people published on their own. So that right. stuff like, so Senior Correspondent Chris, I'm sure I talked about it, but he has created mm-hmm. through a, a platform where the, the platform gets 50% of everything you make, but it's a platform for people to basically create their own rules, games, characters, um, basically all kinds of stuff for Dungeons and Dragons that may not exist. It's always been about people being able to create their own things for Dungeons and Dragons. It's a huge part of Dungeons and Dragons. Also... And and again, as the layman... Yes. Senior Correspondent made, if I recall correctly, an airship module. Yes. So he... He kind of focused around airships. And there wasn't anything... There were no airship, you know, official airship rules or airship models and he did everything he made rules he made models he made maps of the airships he explained how combat works um and then that gets uploaded he prepares all these materials he he finalizes them he completes them to how he likes and he puts them up on this platform and then anybody can check them out and incorporate them into their game for you know whatever he's charging for it Absolutely. So for anyone who's interested, um, so the book is called, and he has a series of them, but it's called Izzy's Slightly Used Airships, and the platform is the DMs Guild. And because you're- That, that's called a plug, y'all. That is called a plug. I did it real smoothly, though. Thanks, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, like I said, some people might balk at the, the fact that they take, you know, 50% 50% of what you earn, but it's a huge platform, massive. People all over the world come to DMs Guild to look for supplements. And that's what it is. It's people who love D&D, who want to make supplements for a game that you can't do everything, right? You have your basic core rules and then some other supplements and other guides um, and other adventures that Wizards of the Coast put out. But it's all about supplements and and that is what it has been up to this point ages and then there's also things like think about the explosion of of doing you know 
play-alongs. Play-alongs or, um, oh, what's the big one? You know, with that guy that everybody loves. Uh, the one you hate? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> critical, critical role. Critical role. Um, if someone wants me to get into that, t- tweet at us and I'll explain. But like critical role, like critical role, especially like during the pandemic, maybe a little bit before, but especially during the pandemic, like d and exploded and a new generation. And there's also virtual sessions now, yeah, right? And that's Roll20, that whole... I, Roll20, that is... I have a friend who DMs virtually for yes. just strangers, essentially. Yeah, and that's where, like, Chris made, you know, has made some of his best friends doing this online. And then even when in the games we were playing, like, our games moved to Roll20. Um, so there... And then there are tons of, like, products and things, and I can go on another time about some concerns and I think I have before some concerns about that because really Dungeons and Dragons you just need basically like your imagination <laughs> that's like it maybe some dice um but it has spawned <laughs> a huge industry um and it's a it's a it's a weird feedback loop so it's you know they put stuff out Wizards of the Coast put stuff out people Take it, love it, make supplements, and that leads and 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 does do things like critical role, and that leads people back to Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast and it's, buying the books. It's just remixing. Yeah, something comes out, and then somebody makes something new out of it based on what's there. So, what has got everyone so frantic this week? So, we talked about it a little bit that, and I wasn't really concerned. So, right now, Dungeons and Dragons is in. What people call fifth edition or five E colloquially, um, and it's basically like a reset of the rules of of characters of um, what they're leaning away from, but races, classes, um, how things work. And five E has been wildly successful. It's been out for about ten years. I'm around there, um, but it's been wildly, wildly. It's been that long. Yeah, Holy it's, shit. it's been a long time. It's been wildly successful um, because they took a lot of input from a lot of people and came up with something that was like pretty flexible. And they've also been, like I said, adding more and more to it, adding more supplements, um, adventures, all that kind of thing. Um, and a little while ago, they decided to. They're going to like relaunch it and they're going to call it like D&D 1 or something like that. Anyways, a lot of people are like, that's ridiculous. But you don't have to. <laughs> it's not like you have to change over. It's not like, you know, to get the new game, you have to get like a PS 27. Right, right, right. It's just, you can continue <laughs> doing what you're doing. Um, but yes. for people who are interested, they can go on and apparently it will like work with 5e stuff. I'm not absolutely 100% on the particulars. I couldn't see us leaving 5e anytime soon, but anyways, here we are. And with that, they wanted to update something called the Open, open Gaming License. And the open gaming license, it's it's much more complicated than this. Again, don't come for me. I'm trying to make it really understandable. The original open gaming license said basically two things. You could like basically use whatever you wanted to. And the second thing was that even if there's another gaming license that comes out, you can always use this one. To say it like it can't be replaced, basically, 
you can always use this one to say, hey, I can use this old open gaming license to, to sort of trump the new gaming license, no matter what it says. And that's in the, the original or this, the, this main open gaming license that everyone has grown to, to know and love. And it doesn't say anything. You don't have to pay like royalties. I'm sure there's some things about like how much of the copying you can do. Um, but it doesn't like if you're, you're making supplements or whatever, as long as you follow the rules, like no, no royalties have to be paid. The new open gaming license, which apparently it was leaked um, but the thing is, is yes. like the idea behind um, the leaking of the Saudi story about them buying WWE, some people have come to believe that maybe this was a litmus test um, on what people thought. But basically, it said two things, of, of I would say most importantly. One, that over a certain amount, royalties would need to be paid. And the second was that even though it trumps all other open gaming licenses, which is a direct in direct oppositions to the current one. So a lot of people are freaking out about this because a big part of Dungeons and Dragons is this creative like maelstrom, right? Like it, it is something that people love and they sort of take back and there are a lot of companies, industries, um, you know, self-owned companies that have to do with Dungeons and Dragons. And for them having to pay royalties is ridiculous and can do a lot of harm. And it also stops people from wanting to be creative. So because of this outrage from people, justifiable, I, I would say, and, um, Apparently, some other things like a bunch of people canceled their D and D Beyond subscription, um, which it's not important what it is. Basically, it has to D and D, kind of a Wizards of the Coast thing. Like a bunch of people were like, "Nope, screw you guys." Um, they have walked back this, you know, OLG um, or OGL, sorry, um, and said like, "No, no, no, you're right. We'll we'll figure it out." Um, a lot of people are still really concerned. Chief among there as well that I had seen was that they were getting their fingies out to start skimming off people's money, um, yeah. which is maybe in their right to do so. But originally it was like, no matter how much money you made, like senior correspondent would have been given them, you know, 25% well, of whatever he, no, remaining he 50 he was pulling in off the platform. He doesn't make, he didn't make enough. Like it was something like, I, again, I don't know the exact now, numbers. Now it's up, now it's up to like a half a million dollars. If you make half a million dollars well, a year. Before, yeah. Your I, I'm pretty sure it was before. That's what it was before. I'm pretty sure they said 500,000. But uh, that, then you, but it, it was sort of like a, like we'll be we'll be good it'll only be the people who make a lot of money and people were like that's not fair like the whole the whole biome of dungeons and dragons has to do with they you know wizards of the coast give us x we give them back y like i said it's this feedback loop they we support each other and i mean of course i've talked to a senior correspondent about this a lot and he was saying, you know, it was obviously to him, some person who doesn't understand Dungeons and Dragons, 
going, how can we make more money off of this? Sticking their fingers mm-hmm. into things that it didn't belong. And the community got really upset and, you know, was their version of basically like a, a geeky riot. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and, but people are still concerned, right? Are, are they going to try and do this again? Um, you know, how is this going to look for the future? The good thing is, though, um, a lot of the stuff you can pirate. <laughs> a lot of the stuff you can borrow from friends. Um, a lot of it you can do on your own. Dungeons and Dragons is the other thing. It, it isn't dependent on all of these. It's not like magic where you have to have cards to play the game. Um, you don't need anything to play Dungeons and Dragons and for it to be fun. Does having a little character piece that looks like, you know, the character you imagined, is that a lot of fun? Sure. Does having shiny dice a lot of be a lot of fun? <laughs> yeah, of course it does. Does having a battle well, map help? Sure. But I remember I was a teenager. I didn't ha- we didn't have any money. One person had the rule book. And, like, you did <laughs> a lot of stuff in, you know, the theater of the imagination. Um, so, yeah. That's the story. As, as per w- what this... Uh- what this actually means and what it what it what people fear and what it actually means um the great tech writer cory doctorow uh this is where i first saw this story uh had a twitter thread basically breaking down the original story the implications of making changes to the ogl um how you can't copyright rolling a dice um he writes a lot about he writes a lot specifically about copyright and open information and creative commons and things like that. And he's worked uh, on the developing those policies. So he's very knowledgeable about this stuff. And given, as Kate said, the homebrew nature of what has been just baked into Dungeons and Dragons from the start, trying to then copyright things that can't really be copyrighted. Or simply the fact that, you know, yesterday's price is not today's price. So people signed off on the... OGL from 10 years ago, the second they make changes, it's not inherent that you, you have to agree again, you know, like, um, and you are free at that point to walk away and do what, like Kate said, do whatever, do whatever you want. So again, it's, it was, it was a wild story from an unsuspecting, from a place I never would have suspected. And there are things like, so there is something called Pathfinder, which is based sort of based around an older edition of Dungeons and Dragons and they kind of like split. So they're, they're sort of seen, they're different things. They're seen as different things. And they came out with their own, like, like, here you go, do whatever you want. Like a lot of companies have stepped up (laughs) and sort of taken advantage of this guffaw. Um, so it's, uh, the other thing is there's a lot out there, right? So you know, trying to be like D and D and this is the only way to do it. And you have to sign this thing and you have to like, that's just not going to work. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's an interesting story, funny. And, um, and I think we've won the day, you know, which is nice. Yay. We shall people. see <laughs> for, for once, take our victories where we can. Uh, friends were even lighter and tighter now because Kate thought she lost her audio for half an hour. So it was great. <laughs> not half an hour, but <laughs> it was 300 eps, Kate, 300 eps. And we never had that kind of technical glitch. So, I mean, if you, even if it had happened, uh, you know, I still would have taken it as an overall or average is still impeccable, but <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're lighter and tighter now. Do you have any updates you would like to share with the people? 
I have one thing to say and three updates and that's it. The first (laughs) thing is, speaking of giant corporations trying to like fuck over the little person, screw you Amazon Video Prime or Prime Video for getting, for, for giving back or allowing Peacock to take all of Murder, She Wrote. What? I was trying to do finance stuff yesterday oh, at my job. Oh my god, I did not know this happened. And they t- and I went murder she wrote thinking all whatever like 15 seasons or whatever going to be there. Nope, nothing. Not a zip zilch. And I went, "You know what? I'm not signing up for Peacock. This should be everyone should be have access to murder she wrote. Old, young, poor, rich, doesn't matter. <laughs> um so I went to the next best thing, which a lot of people don't know the reason um murder she wrote was born was because of uh, a little series called Miss Marple. Agatha Christie's Miss Marple. <laughs> um, so I just went and watched that because that is on Amazon. And um, though Joan Hickson is my favorite favorite Miss Marple, um, the one with Geraldine McEwen, um, uh, R.I.P., um, uh, it was on and they have like all the seasons of that and she does a fantastic job and that was great. So I just did that and did um, finances. So there, Amazon. I won that battle too. Um, <laughs> second update, Willow has now finished. Um, okay. Basically, Willow, if you want to know what Dungeons & Dragons is like, watch Willow. <laughs> it's just basically a and d party fucking around. Um, it was fun. It was a fun watch, uh, but it is not must-see TV, and mm. it is not – the ending wasn't incredible. I hope they do get a couple more seasons. I'd love to see how the show changes and grows and stuff. And they obviously have some sort of plan. Um, but as finales go, it was like, eh, it was fine. Um, and then finally, uh, senior correspondent Chris and I have been watching Bad Batch, which has um, started mm. again. And uh, it, it's fun, but it again, it's not must-see TV. It's definitely no Andor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, a good time nonetheless. And that was it. Very, listen, when you start going to a gym after work, you get home. Until I get used to the gym, I don't really have the bandwidth for anything other than Iron Chef for two hours <laughs> every night. So I just fire that up and let that wallpaper play. It's just, mmm, what's going on in the crayfish battle today? Ooh. Um, <laughs> Sakai won. Sakai always wins. Sakai always wins. Other things, the... uh most recent perfume tour, the plasma tour from their last impeccable album, late career highlight, um, as is usually the case around the holidays or the new year. Um, the wow, wow network in Japan will show a, uh, an edit of sort of the concert film. Um, so that hit, uh, hit the tumblers with expedience. Haven't had a chance to watch the whole thing. It's a bit of a step down Mm. from the 2021 show. I thought Polygon Wave 2021 was just one of the best shows I'd ever seen from them. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I just saw too many performances of Spinning World up to this point. <laughs> so that when it's, it's kind of, it's smaller scale. I think I read it's not, it wasn't a, it was, what's bigger, arena or stadium? This was the smaller <laughs> version right. um, of that. So maybe the smaller cedar, that type of thing. Um, haven't had a chance to go through the whole thing. Uh, there was a party maker performance, so we do have another uh 
another edition of Nochi Solo Dance and Party Maker, which yes. is that that's that's why you come out. <laughs> Update all anything. the compilations, people. I will watch <laughs> every, all of them. Every every Nochi Party every Party Maker Solo Dance, we need we need the update on the compilation. Yeah. Um last thing I want to talk about, I forgot to talk about it last week. This is a uh, a game I've been playing on my phone. It's a JRPG called Another Eden. I believe it's a little older. Um, has gotcha elements. Gotcha is not required in this uh, game. This is from the original uh, scenario designer and uh, musical composer of the Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross series. And it shows. This is I Want Chrono Trigger. We have Chrono Trigger at home. <laughs> This is Chrono Trigger at home, down to the Frog Knight. Like, it's literally copy-pasted. No weird, like, stamina throttling. I've played it for, like, three hours. Not three hours, but I mean, like, my entire bus ride there and back some days where, like, I just... Works with the same mechanic, bouncing between time periods, things like that. Does have a bit of a grind where you're supposed to, you know, dungeon raid for materials. There is the gacha element where you can pull for, you know, more powerful characters. That sort of thing. But the game will give you enough characters to get through the main campaign. Like if you just want the story, you can do that. I don't know how it's making any money. Japan is probably (laughs) just pulling for pulling for rare gotchas, but really good. Um, Like the, it uses like a frontline backline mechanic. um, So there's no like healing or items. Basically, if one of your strong characters is uh, reaching the bottom of the barrel, you swap them out to the backline and every round, every turn, they will recover a little bit. So kind of managing, you get two people on the back line and four on the front. So you're kind of managing them around. If somebody's really weak and they're on the back line, but you've got to recover your strongest uh, player, you better hope they, you can keep in the back line long enough to recover enough, you know, to do their killer move or whatever. Interesting mechanic. I'm having fun with it. Um, cool. When it gets too grindy, it bores me, but then I go back to it and I, and I have a delightful time. Um, and... Most importantly, I just unlocked the fishing minigame. So Oh, of course. Most no, imp- why wouldn't No. Just just find a fishing game. Put a fi- put a fishing game in everything. Everything a fishing game. Why does Grand Theft Auto never have fishing? Red Dead did. Grand Theft Auto needs fishing. Anyway. Um they also need any kind of like chocobo like mini like I need <laughs> you need to learn how to ride a chocobo. In Grand Theft Auto? A- everywhere. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Make it a mechanical chocobo. I don't know, Jordan. I don't design games. There is certainly a mod somewhere <laughs> online <laughs> where you can write a chocobo in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> anyway, friends, we're going to take a break right here. When, we're, when we come back, I know I just talked about it last week. Couldn't help myself. Probably should have waited until she had time to watch the whole thing, but I'm just I'm too amped. I'm too amped and not enough people are talking about this show. So when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about witches in space and giant robots and... Utana ripoffs and all that stuff when we talk about Mobile Suit Gundam, the witch from Mercury, after this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other. As Jordan said, this week it is uh, mobile Gundam suit 
Which for Mercury? Which for Mercury Mobile Gundam suit? I I never know. Uh, I'm just here. Mobile Mercury Gundam suit. Which <laughs> what? We uh, they're just they're just adjectives and nouns. They're just all they're just together. they're just words. Um, they're just words. But before we get into it, we have some rules. I'm going to do them super quickly. No bandying about. A rule number one. Rule of three. We have already watched this thing, so I did watch three more episodes than I had, so I stuck with my rule. Obviously, Jordan's already finished it. Um, so we both basically checkmark on that one. Second rule mm. is hashtag save it for the pod. Jordan didn't know how much I had watched. I will also get into Mm-mm. why I watch, didn't watch any more. Um, he doesn't know about <gasps> that yet. I know. Gas. Yeah. Th- this is why we save it for the pod. Third rule, which isn't really a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers, and there are some spoilers in this show, so if you're like, oh, I don't want to know, then go watch it, and then come back. (laughs) Jeez. So, we first talked about this show during our uh, winter... Was that winter or fall? I don't know how the seasons work. Are we in winter now? I don't know. In our last anime preview, we talked about this show, and... Were kind of taken with it uh, right away because at the time there was a prologue in the first episode. And the prologue was very different tonally than the f- first proper episode of the show, which was just an entertainer ripoff. And mm-hmm. the show kind of continued in that mode for a while and maybe got a little saggy in the middle. And then by the end of it, I was literally screaming and hollering at my television. What is that show? It is Mobile Suit Gundam The Witch from Mercury. It is a Japanese mecha anime series and the 15th mainline entry in Sunrise's long-running Gundam franchise. Do you love giant robots? Thank the Gundam franchise. They don't yeah. exist with them. They partially don't exist without them. But as far as the modernizing of the giant robots, the ones that really focused on, like, let's make these things look like they could work in real life to the point where they are models and actual real life replicas in various spots in Japan that do function. Yeah. Um, instead walk. of like your Gigantor giant robot, like gigant, you can't make Gigantor or Tetsujin 28 or whatever with the big beer belly and stuff. You couldn't make that robot. You could make a Gundam theoretically. Yeah. Um, so it is the first, it premiered October, 2022 in Japan. It is directed by both Hiroshi Kobayashi and Ryo Ando and written by Ichiro Okuchi. It is, the first mainline Gundam TV anime production in seven years following Iron-Blooded Orphans and the first TV series to feature a female female protagonist. Fourth in the franchise overall, the series revolves around themes of the dangers of emerging technologies alongside political corruption, capitalism, and revenge. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, um, they were making these things, these robots using something called the gun format, which would... uh, Harm and ultimately probably kill the pilots. They were sort of like um, like merging with their their brains. Yes. Um, so in response to that, the Mobile Suit Development Council, uh, a coalition of the top mobile suit development companies, ordered a permanent ban on the gun format and all its applications. With council member Delling Rembrandt deploying special forces to destroy uh, the last remaining research facility, killing everyone aboard, and erase all traces of the technology. Only two people survived mobile suit test pilot Elnora Samaya and her four-year-old Eric Samaya. 21 years after that incident, Suleta Mercury transfers to the Astasia School of Technology, an academic institute run by the megacorporation Bennerit Group. Upon arriving, she encounters a girl escaping the institute, Mirene Rembrandt, who wants to escape the controls of her father, Delling, as their paths cross in the academy with different ambitions and goals. Suleta will have to prove her worth as a pilot as she steps into the academy alongside the Gundam Ariel, a mobile suit built with the forbidden gun format technology. I love this show. (laughs) 
I love the theme song. I love the opening. I love the character designs. I love Suleta. Um, there's a lot more intrigue to this show than I originally uh, suspected yeah. when I did not do the math that the prologue takes place more time than is feasible for Suleta to be the little girl yeah. seen in the prologue. And the questions that that raises, I did not really realize that at the time. And that has even more fueled my love for the show. And the concluding moments, the last scene of the season, they just wrapped their first ep- uh, 12 episode batch. They'll be coming back for 12 more sometime this year. Um, literally screaming at my television. But Kate. Yes. I worry that based on what you've seen, you may have felt it getting a little rote, a little duel of the week, no, a little hold, too hold. askew. No. To Utena, but here, here, no, no, no. Let's let's prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just tell everyone why I couldn't watch any more episodes than I wanted to. Because Crunchyroll is a stupid platform and for some reason was like, Nope, can't work for hours. Hours, Jordan. I had to Stop watching it on my television and find my laptop and get it to work on my laptop. And even then it was giving me trouble. That is the only reason. I would have probably Crunchy finished roll. the Crunchyroll really is the worst. I was so angry. I was almost as angry as when um, heroines run the show. Like that episode <laughs> where I was like, what do you mean there's no more episodes? Like through my shoe. Um, not at the television. Um but yeah, I was like so angry. Um, so I could only watch, uh, I watched up to epi- like up to episode seven. So I finished episode six um, and I wanted to continue. Oh, okay. But do you want to know what happens everyone in episode six? They kill basically a child. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's and the I happy birthday like, episode, isn't it? That's, that is the happy birthday episode. And I was oh, like, yeah. that's not, they're not gonna, <laughs> no. And they did. And I was like, oh, this show is a lot darker. It's a lot darker than at first. Like that first, the, the prequel episode is dark. Right. Like it is dark. Like they murder everybody. They do not care. And you're like, oh, this is not good. And then, you know, you get like sort of sunshine and rainbows and stuff on the first episode and you're like oh she's finding she's finding her way with the earth house and she's making friends and she's got her little list and tomatoes and and all that yeah and her and her list is like make friends get someone's number in my phone like silly cute teenagery early 20s stuff um you find out that she wants to the reason she's so passionate is she wants to start a school on mars so that it will get young people to come there because there's so few people there now and and then you find out this, this, he's called what, the Ice Prince? He's, you know, he never smiles, mm. never has any emotion. You find out he's actually been, A, they put some other kid's face on him, some rich kid. So he doesn't have his own face. They've obviously done something to his memory. Um, and he's been. I couldn't, was he, so, okay, you watched this more recently than I yeah. have. He wasn't a clone. He was an actual... He was just another kid that they put his face on? Yeah. They like... And they obviously did stuff to his Oh, body. I thought they were farming clones of him. No. It was... They said we could give back your face because he has his own memories. Or at least one. <gasps> oh, God. The show is way darker than even I realized. And, and they obviously do things so that he can use the gun format. So they do things to his body. They've upgraded his body to use the gun format. Um, and... Basically, he f- he gets this memory back and he has this moment 
and they are like, he failed, and we're just going to torch him and like destroy him. And they're going to get a new one because he's totally replaceable. And it was just, I'm like, this is so wildly messed up that I love it because it's like that dark messed up I like plus amazing Gundam battles. Like, so pretty, good. Pretty good. Um, Like, yeah, I... I as amped as any pro wrestling match when I'm watching these Gundam, I feel as as stressed as when I'm, I think I mentioned when I used to watch Yuri on Ice and like was was he going to land the jump? I feel just as stressed going into any battle because I don't I don't know. Well, you see, watched Utena was... and you knew she was going to win. You knew yeah. she was going to win every duel. I go well, into an, a Gundam battle on this show and I don't know. The first six episodes, like the first six episodes, I was like, I'm like, yeah, I know, but I can see as it goes on, like after these six episodes, I'm like. I don't know, though, going forward, like, they may just, like, I knew, um, I knew, I can't remember his name, Ice Prince was going to win against the other guy, and then, you know, right. she was going to have to fight against him, like, I could see that, and she was probably going to win, which she did, but I could see in the next six episodes, like, not being sure, because things have taken a dark turn. <laughs> I was like, I cannot believe they just destroyed a child. But I should, like, obviously... And, and there, the other thing is that I love is, yes, there is this obvious, like, this girl. She's making friends. She's trying to, like, live this normal life. But obviously she has this connection to this Gundam. Um, no one's really sure what's going on. Um, but... What's also interesting is that there's all this political stuff going on on Earth as well. So apparently, mm. like, they're really the, the, these very large uh, factions that obviously own a lot of resources. They're like the space faction. They're making it so that, like, workers on Earth have to are just working for the space faction. They're not working for Earth. They're using Earth factories to make stuff for s space and space colonies not for earth like and so there are these people protesting they're using gundams that are not gundams but giant robots to like you know um make sure the population is quelled you know firing gas bombs mm -hmm. and destroying property and and so you're like you're getting this other political part of it so you can see that there are layers of this story um, and like you said, there's like political strife and there's like personal strife and there's revenge and they, everyone seems to have their own angle. Um, yeah, it's very, very interesting. The only criticism I, I have of the three episodes I watched is they, um, when you duel, one person gets to say what their stake is and the other person gets to stay what their, say what their stake is. So Ice Prince's stake was Ariel, um, the Gundam. Yes. Her stake was to get to know more about you. Go suck <laughs> eggs. That Earth house is like impoverished. You could have been like, I want your Gundam or I want like a million dollars for the Earth house. Instead, she's like, I want to get more to know you, which is okay, sweet, but dumb. And I was so angry. <laughs> Well, you just described her in a yes. nutshell. She's a Gundam prodigy, but I mean, she's kind of... Yeah. I've read takes in light of the um, finale that suggests she may be more tragic than we realize. 
Um, so I'm super amped to see you. <laughs> super amped to cry at that next, <laughs> next 12 episodes. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not, I was just stunned. And I know it's weird for me to just talk about something that we haven't seen yet, but we, I promise you, y'all, we will revisit this. I have, it came out of nowhere and I literally like, it's rare for me to watch something and literally sit up out of my chair like, <laughs> but that is what this finale did. It's the post credit scene. You know, you think everything's cool, and then they give you, like, a minute 15 afterwards. It's like, oh, it's not cool. It's not cool at all. <laughs> um, and it's just, I'll, all I will say was it centers around a shift in the mirroring Saleta dynamic. Um, because over the course of the, the season, you know, you really come to ride or die for them, and you really want them, whatever this relationship is, if they're going to, you know, if you ship it or not. Nah, or you just want them to be besties. Like you want those two kids to work it out. Um, and you think everything, like I said, you think everything's cool. And then it turns out it is not. And the ways in which it's not is really going to make for an interesting, uh, second season. And like that student council, there's characters on there who like have done nothing yet. Yeah. And that's, that's still to come. Like, I, I don't have no idea where this show is going. The fact that she calls the little like drones, everyone. Yeah. Like, like she gives and them the pronouns. First, this is the, so this, the sixth episode is the first episode where you hear Ariel. She like laughs and mm. you're like, that's interesting. And also very disturbing, <laughs> um, like quite disturbing. So, and like, yeah, there's been, there's been speculation that there's like an Evangelion thing going on where like the soul of someone is in the Ariel and she can hear it. And that's why. It doesn't kill her like it, well, like well, using it doesn't kill her. When the, I don't know, I'm going to just call her a witch, was doing the like reading and she's like, you have like a brother or something. She's like, I don't have any siblings. And I was like, ah. <laughs> like, like what, that? what does that mean? Um, so yeah, so I just, I mean, I, I liked it from the outset, but I was like, thank you for pushing me to continue watching it. Um, and now I'm just. I'm really hooked, so I'm gonna have to get. Well, you you want you wanted a show. You asked for a show instead of a movie, so I'm yeah, here we are. Happy got, to deliver. I got a show. That Miss Marple, and I'm set basically for the week. <laughs> if Crunchyroll wants to cooperate, that's what I was just gonna say. I was gonna say if you you know come come for the come for the discussion on. Uh, you know, little under underrated anime from last season. Stay for the definitive take on who the best Miss Marple is. Friends, you can watch this on Crunchyroll if it decides to work, apparently. Also, I haven't, there's no native Crunchyroll app for my television. I get this fantastic new TV. All the apps are native. I got oh. everything on there. Blah, blah, blah. I still got to fire up the PlayStation and watch Crunchyroll. Huh? Oh, that's, uh, that, huh? Oh, that's weird. I've, I have one. I have a tile. You have a tile? I have a tile. What makes your TV? Oh my god, we gotta talk about this off mic. You gotta figure out how to get a native country roll. <laughs> well, it's not gonna work not for you, so never mind. Uh, apparently, apparently not. Samsung was like, we don't want it. Um, friends, when it works, you can watch it there. Please watch it. Let us know what you're thinking about it. Because uh, I feel like I'm not enough. Everybody was talking about Bochi the Rock last season, which I mean, cool, but Kon did it first. Um, please watch this show. It's rare for me to to beg you to watch a show. Please watch it and let us know what you thought of it over on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Happy to have all discussions about The Witch from Mercury there. And friends, we did it. We did it. Look at that, Kate. 
427. Kate's got to go party. I need to sit and not do anything for a while and maybe <laughs> uh, start to get my laundry together for tomorrow. You're not moving. We were going to get off this podcast and you are not going to move. You're going to watch Iron Chef and that's so, it. I'm, I said I'm going to get it together. Not that I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it to the laundromat tomorrow. I'm going to get it together today. Listen, friends, here's your last takeaway. Here's your last gem. Here's your late episode gem. The other day I came home and I did something very rare. I laid down in bed and I ended up having a nap for two hours. It was (gasps) fucking amazing. (laughs) Naps are amazing. Get into naps, (laughs) y'all. Take that with you into your week. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you'll join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. The two chubby kids rushing is just it's my favorite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> my voice is cracking. I'm having I'm sweating because I think I've lost my audio. Like, uh.